Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. UK wrestler convicted and sentenced for assault during match. AEW star announced for Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, and I give you the top five greatest belts of all time. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night was WWE Friday Night Smackdown, but before we get into that, let's check out our news. UK wrestler convicted and sentenced for assault during match. UK wrestler James Riley was recently convicted to prison time for an assault during a wrestling match. Yes, you're hearing that right. We're, we're getting out of kayfabe here and we're going into the actual law. Uh, Riley, 33 years old, was sentenced to 21 months in prison on March 29th for an, an assault against Rob Wilson. During the match, there was a point that Wilson was on his knees when Riley kicked him hard in the face. Despite Wilson bleeding heavily, Riley told him to continue the match. Wilson said he was dazed and on autopilot, quote-unquote, for the rest of the match, and he had to receive surgery for facial bone fractures. Fans had recorded the match on their phones and police pressed charges upon seeing it. Riley was also given a restraining order and can have no contact with Wilson for 10 years. Police said what happened went far beyond the parameters of what should happen within pro wrestling. This is new for pro wrestling. The last time I could think of something like this that we've seen is with New Jack and that was way, way back. So... Yeah, this is pretty new for the world of professional wrestling, getting a physical, uh, actual sentence and getting jail time for what happened in a professional wrestling match. Uh, I doubt we will ever see this in the WWE. We would never see this in in AEW, never see this in any of the major uh, pro wrestling promotions that we watch on TV on a weekly basis. That will be very, very off-putting if we ever saw that, but this is more of an independent company issue where you someone takes it a little bit too far in pro wrestling and you know we see it all the time in in the the czws of the world and the ic no holds icw no holds bars of the world where at these death matches and you could argue that even though these guys are both in on the on the story you know we're talking about pro wrestling here uh it's uh it, sometimes it feels like it goes a little bit too far but uh yeah th- this is a, a pretty big for pro wrestling someone actually getting prison time for what happened in a match. In real life prison time. We're not talking about a kayfabe story here. We're talking about this guy is booked. For reals. <laughs> for reals. AEW star announced for Steve Austin's Broken Skull session. In a shocking announcement, former AEW world champion Chris Jericho is set to appear on Steve Austin's Broken Skull session podcast on the WWE Network. Uh, there have been no clips released other than the teaser that was tweeted out by the WWE Network, so it'll be interesting to see if AEW gets mentioned at all during the show. The show will air on Peacock in the US and the WWE Network elsewhere. Uh, I am definitely going to be watching this. I watch a, a lot of these Broken Skull sessions by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I feel like he gives an insight that not the average podcaster can really give an insight to, given the fact that he lived that Attitude Era, and he is the Attitude Era. He is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he gets to have these pressing conversations with people that he worked with in the past that an interviewer like myself or another podcaster can't really do because we don't have that direct insight into exactly, exactly what happened 
in the mind that Stone Cold Steve Austin does. So that's why I really love these. And for uh, Vince McMahon to give the thumbs up and say, you know what, we're going to have a, a former AEW champion and uh, obviously former WWE legend and uh, well, WWE legend, pro wrestling legend in Chris Jericho come on to uh, a network show. Uh, it really says a lot. Is this him opening the forbidden door? Are we are we opening that door? Are we finally going to see uh, more of this happen more often? I don't think so. I think it, Chris Jericho is the only guy on AEW, I think, right now that can uh, cross paths like that. Like Mira wouldn't do. Even the former WWE guys, like, it's very, very rare. Chris Jericho, he's been around for so long. He's been with the WCW. He's been with, obviously, the WWF and WWE and now AEW. He's been around the block so many times that I feel like he can can cross these bounds without it being too much of an issue but yeah you know, we're not don't expect to see omega come on to the broken skull sessions anytime soon it's just pretty big news that man under aew contract finds their way back to the wwe in this type of parameter here in the broken skull session we're going to get right into our show review for last night's Friday Night Smackdown. But first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code BANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off uh, and free shipping, FANSIDE20, all caps at manscaped.com at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Starting off the episode for Friday Night Smackdown last night, Edge opened the show and he believes that he hit roadkill at Fastlane with Brian on how the match at WrestleMania has changed. Uh, I thought that was a really good line there. Roadkill, Fastlane, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> uh, realizes he got played out. Finally saw the rated R superstar in the mirror. Uh, won't hesitate on the next concerto opportunity he has. Uh, a heel thing to say, but piped in cheers from the the WWE Thunderdome, even though that that is a heelish thing to say. He's gonna he's gonna connect with the concerto because I feel like that's also a heel maneuver as well. The concerto, you're crushing someone's skull between two chairs. Great promo and really nice beard from Edge as he's growing it out for WrestleMania, I presume. Alpha Academy and Dirty Dogs versus Street Profits and Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Still mad about uh, the WrestleMania edition of SmackDown. You can't put this match in one of the two nights that you have for WrestleMania. Like, you have a two-night WrestleMania. You could physically do it. It's possible. You know, you could put this match in there somewhere. But no, you got to put it on not even a pre-show, which I think it would make sense to put the pre-show of WrestleMania, I guess, on night two. Because they. I understand their sentiment on how they ha want to have the first entrance back in front of a live audience be a part of the main show. So I get that. So don't put the pre-show on at night one. Put the pre-show on at night two. So you still are in uh, Raymond James Stadium. You're still there. You still have to have your WrestleMania moment at Raymond James. But it doesn't have to be on the main show. So I'll be fine with that. But no, no, we're not even getting that. We're not even getting close to that. We're getting uh, these quote-unquote WrestleMania edition SmackDown matches on Friday, which is not at Raymond James. So not a good look. Not a good look, especially for for these four teams who want to have another WrestleMania moment, possibly Dominic and Rey Mysterio winning the first father-son tag team uh, you know, championships, and possibly, but... 
if you're not doing it at WrestleMania, what's the point? You're doing it on SmackDown. So I feel like that's kind of tough. So I'm still mad about that. Chaos ensues early on with the Babyface's team uh, taking dives to the outside. Ford enters on a hot tag and cleans house. More chaos and Otis lands a second rope splash onto Ford to pick up the win. Uh, we're fully backed into this uh, corner of tag team wrestling. Once again, the WWE, that's not really that good. It's just tag team wrestling just to have tag team wrestling. And you know what? This match, honestly, these four teams, they all have something to contribute to a match. And I feel if you put this at the open of a show or maybe uh, a match to pick up the pace and brighten up the crowd a little bit, this match is great for that. And will this possibly putting this match on SmackDown buy tickets for WrestleMania? Maybe. You know, maybe, will it get a couple more Peacock buys? Maybe. Or putting this match on a SmackDown and will, it, will the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal do the same thing? Maybe. But I guess uh, we'll, that time will come next week on Friday when we'll see. But it's a shame. You know, Dolph Ziggler deserves to be on a WrestleMania stage, you know. All these guys really deserve to be on a WrestleMania Rey Mysterio deserves to be on a WrestleMania stage. And to shove them aside to SmackDown uh, isn't fair. I don't think it's fair. Seth Rollins and Cesaro face-to-face. The drip is immaculate for Seth Rollins. Uh, Cesaro singing uh, Swing is in the air Swing is in the air He goes through this whole promo segment Talking about the Cesaro swing Uh, Rollins names all of his accolades For uh, his previous Wrestlemania matches And uh, the pinnacle of him cashing in At Wrestlemania 31 Uh, Cesaro keeps talking about the swing And Rollins says that he will beat Cesaro so bad That Cesaro won't even have his potential To fall back on Which was a great, great line there by Rollins, uh, nothing really much to take there, uh, but I, I do believe that this match is going to be really, really good at WrestleMania. We are going to see a big Cesaro swing at WrestleMania, There's, it, and they did bring up the good point that this was going to be Cesaro's first singles match at WrestleMania as well. So he finally gets his first singles moment, even though his WrestleMania moment did come at uh, WrestleMania 30 with him eliminating the a Big Show, I believe, in the first ever Andre the Giant battle memorial battle royal and for him to win that so uh, that's where it sort of came it's just uh, we haven't really seen much from cesaro since and it's a shame because we talk about potential for cesaro wrestlemania 30 was seven years ago so the potential hasn't been tapped if, if you can imagine uh, Shayna baszler versus natalia with tamina a uh, nia Jax and reginald on commentary baszler and natalia roll up shift weights back and forth back and forth ending with natalia winning the match very early real real fast this match uh so Shayna Baszler getting pinned before Mania. That's great. Uh, Jax attacks Italia and Tamina. And then every tag team shows up. Riot Squad, Rosen Brooks, Lana and Naomi. I was expecting the Iconics to come out. That would have saved the segment, but no. A segment ends with Tamina and Natalia standing tall. And, well, that segment definitely did happen. And let me not get it twisted here. I did enjoy this SmackDown. It's just... These tag team divisions are really bad for both for all all the women's division. I'm not going to talk. I, I remember I'm not going to talk about this women's division anymore. Uh, I'm not going to do it to you, to you because I'm going to wait till after WrestleMania. So hopefully something happens there. But now the SmackDown for the men's also is just here. You go. Here's the whole tag team division. Eat that. Eat it up. He literally here's all of it at the same time. Same thing with the women's here. Here's all of it at the same time. So. There's that, and uh, I, I refuse to talk about it any longer because I, I, there's no worth to it. There's no worth to it. I've said the same thing for weeks and weeks and weeks about how this women's tag team division has turned into an absolute mess. So we'll see where it goes from here, and I, I, will, I will reconvene after WrestleMania. <laughs> Sami Zayn and uh, the red carpet premiere of his uh, 
documentary. That's the word for for his documentary, and he has a trailer for the documentary. Logan Paul is actually at SmackDown. Uh, he pulls up in a limousine or like the truck version of a limousine, and uh, comes out of the back seat. And it looks like he's very excited to be there. So I give him credit for that as well. Good job for Logan Paul. He did a very nice job on this episode, Logan Paul, which I was very surprised of. But uh, he truly acted like a professional. I guess I was expecting something different. But no, he did a very good job. Uh, and for him to actually be there, not over a Zoom setting, which I was kind of speculating he might be, he was actually physically there. Zane, uh ends up dancing in the ring as Logan Paul makes his way down to the ring as he's introduced. Zane invites Paul to WrestleMania as his guest. An iMovie-type trailer, and it's named Justice for Sammy. Logan Paul has had a talk with Kevin Owen, he mentions, and has heard Zane has gone a little insane. KO enters the ring, stuns Zane, and Paul looks on as he is pushed to the side by Kevin Owens. I Once again, I think Paul did a really good job. He didn't mess anything up. That's one thing. And he seemed like he was in a very professional setting. He seemed like he was there to to physically... He wasn't there physically as much as he was there emotionally as well. He was all there. He was there all facets of himself. He gave everything he could for that one moment. And uh, he's going to be there at WrestleMania as well. Did Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match need Logan Paul there? No, not at all. But with him being there... Uh, can something happen a little extra? Yeah, sure. It's WrestleMania. You're supposed to have fun with it. So, uh, obviously, people are expecting a technical masterpiece and great storytelling coming from this match, and which we've seen before between these two. But I don't think we're going to see it this time. But uh, am I mad about that? Not as much as I think other people are. And uh, I know saying Logan Paul and WWE just doesn't go hand in hand like that. But he did a really good job. He did a really good job. I, I give people credit where credit is due i do I, I and i will say this i will say this as well i got a couple texts last night from a couple friends that do not watch professional wrestling at all and uh, they said logan paul on, on wwe and they turned it on they watched it and they watched the segment logan paul brought eyeballs to the wwe i got i got a first hand i got a first hand two or three friends i i promise you that hit me up saying hey what is this Logan Paul guy doing on WWE? The, uh, Logan Paul Paul brought the eyeballs, and if and if I'm talking to guys, and a lot of my friends are sports fans, you know, been to baseball, basketball, and football, hockey, all stuff like that. So if if they got them to pull away from that and go to the WWE, even if it was for 15 minutes to watch Logan Paul, that's a couple extra viewers that WWE wouldn't have gotten without Logan Paul. SmackDown would have just gone on as is. And we're on this road to WrestleMania, getting as much eyeballs as possible. You can only imagine if, if it got the sports guys to come over, imagine what it got the actual Logan Paul fans to do. Come over in droves. And even one of my tweets got a ton of, uh, 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 of attention, if you will, in a sense that the tweeted about Logan Paul, saying that he did a good job. And it got a lot of <laughs> likes for it. So uh, maybe I'll keep on doing that. I give Logan Paul a lot of credit. So uh, good on him. Good on him. Later on in the night, Zayn did attack Kevin Owen backstage. And uh, I am excited to see that match at WrestleMania. I'm hoping that Logan Paul, even though there, uh, if he does get involved, it's in a minuscule sense and not really too effective on the match at that. In our next match, Carmella versus Bianca Belair. Carmella attacks Belair prior to the match, throwing Belair into the steel steps. Belair files back after Carmella grabbed her long braid, wrapping it up in the bottom rope. Belair connects with the KOD and wins. Banks goes to attack Belair, but Belair, I think, convinces her otherwise or puts her hand up or just tells her not to and says, well, we're going to wait till WrestleMania to do this. And then Banks just stops in her tracks and he's like, Okay, all right, we'll wait till WrestleMania then. So <laughs> there was that, and but uh, at least they didn't. Uh, at least Bianca Belair didn't lose. 
She picked up the win on the road to WrestleMania. There's no reason why Banks or Belair should be losing on the road to WrestleMania, given that they should just be coming to a pinnacle at this point. And I feel like they are coming to a pinnacle at this point. If they interact one more time on the next week's episode of SmackDown, I have no problem with that. As long as no one picks up a loss, that would be a problem. But we're okay. <laughs> we're okay. Continuing down the road, we just got to get there. Apollo Crews promo, pretty short here, challenges Big E to a Nigerian drum fight at Mania. I said, I wrote my notes here, cool beans. All right, that's that, it's a, we needed a type of stipulation match coming here down the line. I don't believe the the match between uh, Roman, uh, Roman, uh, the match between Randy Orton and uh, The Fiend have, have a Firefly Funhouse stipulation on it, at least not yet. So uh, if we do see that, cool. If not, then we, hey, we need a, a fun stipulation here somewhere. So we get that with a Nigerian jump fight. And what does that entail? No clue. But uh, Apollo Crews said that the beating will be so bad, it will sound like he's beating a drum. So uh, we, we could, <laughs> maybe, maybe, as long as there's no drummed in crowd noise, then I'll be fine with that. Jay Uso versus Daniel Bryan in a street fight for the main event of this episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Edge on commentary and did a great job on commentary here. Bryan jumps the bell but fails to take control, thrown outside of the ring at the feet of Edge. Bryan tries to dive through the ropes as he gains control but runs directly into a steel chair head first. Not good for the concussions there. Both fight with a steel chair, but the Roman Reigns enters, not to interfere, but just for a closer look, as Daniel Bryan was attacking Jay Uso with a chair. Uso grabs a chain and attacks Bryan with it, kick out of a frog splash by Daniel Bryan, Edge shocked by that, that he's able to kick out of the frog splash, Bryan attacks Uso with the chair once again, while staring at Edge ringside, Bryan also attacks with the chain, a yes lock to win the match, and Daniel Bryan doesn't go into WrestleMania with the loss. Bryan attacks Edge after the match. Bryan then goes after Roman Reigns, locking in the yes lock, passing him out. And the night ends in yes chance as he sits atop of the uh, second rope, doing the yes points to the, the ceiling. And uh, I thought this was a great way to end the show. Daniel Bryan cleaning house, uh, looking at the dominant force, saying that he belongs in this match. If he was able to not only beat Jey Uso in a street fight, and then he's able to go after Edge, who wasn't competing in the match ringside, beat him up, and then go after Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, and then put him in the yes lock once again. I don't believe uh, Roman Reigns tapped out. Like, would have been like a fake tap out, but tapping out uh, on the ramp. But he definitely passed him out or had him laid out in the... Uh, on the ramp. Uh, Daniel Bryan just looked like the dominant force. And I know we're a week away uh, from Mania. And there still has to be one more SmackDown. But I'm not sure how much Daniel Bryan, Uso, and... Uh, damn. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and Edge are going to interact in that go-home show. If it's going to be a brawl. If it's going to be something like that. But there's definitely going to have to be something along those lines there. And uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. We still have one more episode of SmackDown. This wasn't the go-home show, but this definitely could have been the go-home show. And if it was, if it was, I wouldn't have been mad either. I think this was a pretty good episode of SmackDown at that. So if this was the go-home show for WrestleMania, good on them. If not, let's see what they're able to do next week on this uh, WrestleMania if you will, uh, the the special that they're doing here for for it, so it's gonna it's gonna be fun, definitely gonna be fun. We're gonna head into the break, but when we come back, yesterday we talked about the worst design belts of all time. Now I give you the top five greatest belt designs of all time. So stick with us right here on Daily DDT Podcast. 
On this day in pro wrestling history, on April 3rd, 2005, WWE presented WrestleMania 21. WrestleMania goes Hollywood from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. Tickets were sold out literally in the same minute they went on sale, making it the fastest sellout not just in Staples Center's history, but in WWE history. Best known for Rey Mysterio defeating Eddie Guerrero, Edge winning the Money in the Bank ladder match, Undertaker defeating Randy Orton, Kurt Angle defeating Shawn Michaels by submission, John Cena defeating JBL to win the WWE Championship, and Batista defeating Triple H to win the World Heavyweight Championship, a stack card for WrestleMania 21 up there as one of the greatest of all time. From one of the greatest to one of the worst, on April 3rd, 2011, WWE presented WrestleMania 27 from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Edge defeated Alberto Del Rio to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. At the time, this was Edge's last match, but obviously has returned since then. Randy Orton defeated CM Punk, The Undertaker defeating Triple H in a no-holds-barred match. This was a very good match, that one. But what made this WrestleMania sour was The Miz defeating John Cena to retain the WWE Championship. The two fought into a double countout, but the match was restarted by the host of WrestleMania that year, The Rock. That would end up turning into The Rock attacking John Cena. Not turning heel, obviously, because no one liked John Cena at the time, so it was honestly turning him more babyface, The Rock. Turning into a once-in-a-lifetime match at WrestleMania 28 and then a twice in a lifetime match at WrestleMania 29. <laughs> On April 13, 2016, WWE presented WrestleMania 32 from the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. A company record of 100, th over 100,000 were in attendance. The actual attendance figure ranges from 84,000 to 94,000 uh, of WWE fans actually in the stadium. Uh, they gave the 101,000 uh, type of number given the fact that of the concessions people and the ushers and the people working there, all the stuff like that, how many people were in the physical building. Uh, if they gave the real number, it still would have been a record for the WWE. It's just they wanted to inflate it, just make now making everything look a little weird. Uh, this WrestleMania is best known for Chris Jericho defeating AJ, AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar defeating Dean Ambrose in a no-holds-barred street fight, Charlotte defeating Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks in a triple dead match to win the WWE Women's Championship. This was the first time the WWE Women's Championship was on the line ever since its return, uh, or its debut, if you will, ever since the end of the Divas Championship is the best way to put it. The Undertaker defeating Shane McMahon in a Hell in a Cell match, The Rock defeating Eric Rowan in just six seconds, the fastest match in WrestleMania that was an impromptu match, and Roman Reigns defeating Triple H to win the World WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So a decent WrestleMania, but nothing that blew anyone's socks off for that matter either at WrestleMania 32, except uh, the large attendance, yeah, I will say that. Now, let's get into the opposite of what we did yesterday. I did the worst belt designs of all time uh, now, or the ugliest belt designs of all time. Now I'm going to do the greatest belt designs of all time, starting out strong at number five. And there's a couple I had to leave off this list, so don't get mad at me. Uh, the undisputed WWE Championship from the early 2000s had to be left off this list. That would have been at number six. But at number five, I'm going with the WWF Winged Eagle World Championship. Uh, the, the Winged Eagle is arguably the most popular variation of the WWE Championship. I talked about this in the last episode, how I wasn't a fan of sharp edges on belts, but this one gets an exception as the sharp edges are hidden by the strap with the eagle that just looks absolutely baller. The Winged Eagle on that on the belt that sticks out just a little bit, uh, protruding from the actual circle itself of the the actual um, centerpiece, if you will. And also the 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 parentheses if you want on the edge of the belt making it look like it's framed really really nice 
Really nice belt. The world, the word world is in beautiful uh, Broadway font on the belt and also the rest of the typing on this like Broadway font. It's really nice and a nice little globe in the middle with the blue aspect of it changing the, the, the actual whole face of the belt itself giving it a different color change there. Really nice, fantastic side panels on the belt and the belt itself is a great size. Not too big, not too small and it looks awesome on anyone that really holds it. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair and Stone Cold Steve Austin, all holders of that belt. And just look really, really nice holding that belt. Perfect size around the waist. And even when it's held, the belt in, in, its hand, in your hands, it really looks great on camera as well. Well, a classic, a classic for the WWF. And uh, one of the best variations of the championship of all time. And number four, I'm going with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, the version four, or the V4, if you will. Once called the Stanley Cup of Pro Wrestling Belts, the side panels hold the names of all the former winners of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, forever engraving their legacy into the belt itself. The centerpiece was huge, with a great blossoming design with the globe, lions, and IWGP embossed on the front, making the belt a prize well-deserved for winning. Uh, whoever holds this belt always feels like it's a privilege or an honor to hold the belt, and it's usually that's something that comes along with the Japanese uh, type of pro wrestling. It's like it's an honor to be able to perform in front of these Japanese audiences, Japanese crowds, and to hold on to this Jap Japanese World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, it really, really a beautiful, beautiful belt that. Uh, with such a huge centerpiece, sometimes you can be off-put by that, but I feel when it's such a grandiose stage, like how it is in Japan, you have to do things above and beyond, and the design is absolutely flawless. Uh, with, like I say, this blossoming flower on this belt, it's such a shame that it had to be retired for a Divas-looking championship. With, with the, the e It's an eagle, but it looks like a butterfly, and uh, it's a shame that it had to be changed, but uh, I, I really appreciate this belt. And as I mentioned, that Stanley Cup aspect of it uh, with the names of all the former winners of the belt on the belt itself, forever engraving yourself into the history uh, in a permanent remark so you can't be erased from history in that standpoint. Uh, it's really, really nice and a good on, on IWGP and New Japan Pro Wrestling for making a belt so amazing as that. At number three, the WWF Intercontinental Championship, and this is from the 80s, the 80s version of it, uh, the quintessential championship in my opinion. Uh, in my opinion, it's the perfect championship, a belt that's meant to be held and not warm, folding perfectly into someone's arms, not too big, not too small, the perfect size to send a message of a champion without being too flashy. I think of Macho Man Randy Savage holding the belt in his arms in the promo, pointing into the camera, and the centerpiece of the belt reminds me as well of the side profile of Madison Square Garden. The belt looked great with both black straps and white strap when it was returned back in the, uh, the early 2010s, if you will. And even looked great with like a yellow strap and a light blue strap. It was pulled off in many ways, shapes, or forms. So for the WWE to bring it back, that's how good that belt was. To be able to bring the belt back after being gone for some time with a different look at the Intercontinental Championship. Never looking as great as the original, but bringing it back in the early 2010s and making it look like a true, true championship that wants to be won by a champion and as i say if a belt can be look nice held into your arms like the nwa uh world world championship 
uh, if it could look nice then, then it could look nice anywhere. You could hold it anywhere. It's like it's like a like a heel prop, if you will, as well. That you can hold it to your arms and it's something to do with your hands as well. Really, really nice. Really, really nice championship. And as I mentioned, if it can look well with multiple straps, that even is another bonus at that. A huge bonus. At number two, the AEW World Championship. Oh, yeah, number two. Uh, the only belt on this list that's actually used today. Uh, grandiose like the IWGP V4, while also undeniably, undeniably representing AEW with its logo dead center. The belt looks absolutely rich, and it is rich. Its reported value was at $30,000, so... Uh, that that's like half of my uh, yearly tuition there for for Ithaca College. Uh, the belt is meant to be worn everywhere you go, with the shape of the belt flowing from the centerpiece to the side panels. It doesn't look bulky in that sense. It actually looks like one whole piece that's broken up into the side panels itself. And I love how the actual nameplate of it, like the the name of the person that's the actual champion, is small. It's like you have to actually look to see the championship, but. There's no denying who is holding the belt. It's not like that is the question. We all know who is holding the belt because how big AEW has grown. And they deserve the respect of knowing who holds that belt. Especially with how big and how grandiose that belt is. Uh, AEW got it right the first time. They, I don't think... I, I can't think of a way to make that belt better. Like Changing the strap I feel like would hurt it if you made it a white strap. And uh, I, I, that black strap with a huge, huge, huge centerpiece. Making the belt look phenomenal. Making it look rich making it look like a belt meant to be won, a belt that for a true champion to hold. Uh, I am really, really impressed of what they did, getting it right the first time, which is not easy to do. And uh, I think, uh, I really can't think of a way that they can improve from that. At number one, I'm going with the big gold belt. Oh yeah, the big gold. Uh, time to talk about uh, a belt that, that stood the test of time. A belt that made it from 1985 lasting until 2013. That's 28 years. Multiple evolutions and eras of pro wrestling. And the belt still reigned supreme from NWA to WCW and finally the WWE. Using the belt design to signify their world heavyweight champion. Only going through small design changes here and there. The, you know, the red screws that they had. The small WWE scratch logo on the top of the centerpiece, if you will. The only problem with this belt, however, is is for whatever reason, people love to hold this belt upside down, which always boggled the mind. Like, you, what comes to mind is the great Kali holding the belt above his head upside down, always. A Diamond Dallas Page did it a couple times, always above his head upside down. Really, really weird, but uh, that if that's the only problem, uh, I don't really uh, uh, think that's too bad of a problem. Uh, but... What puts this belt at number one is that no matter who holds on to this belt, it looks absolutely fantastic. You go on Instagram, you see the edits of Roman Reigns holding on to this belt, absolutely jaw-dropping. Imagine Roman Reigns today holding on to the World Heavyweight Championship big gold belt with the gold uh, uh, fist uh, pad or the glove that he, he, he wears with that gold uh, wrist wrap also along with it. He would look phenomenal. He would look absolutely phenomenal. Unlike the, I wouldn't call it a monstrosity, but unlike the, the copied version of the WWE Championship of today with the blue Universal Championship belt. Uh, if he held that big gold belt, he would look like such a winner, such a champion. Anybody that holds onto that belt looks like such a champion. Think of Edge holding onto that belt. The Undertaker, Batista, Triple H, all these big days holding onto the big gold belt. Even back in WCW, Booker T, Goldberg holding onto that. Oh, anybody that held onto that championship, Ric Flair. 
looked like a million bucks, a million bucks. And it wasn't too flashy. It didn't have all the gems. It didn't have all the, the extra um, the flashiness to it that it didn't need. It was just a big gold plate that was designed beautifully that didn't need anything extra. If it stood the test of time from 1985 to 2013, you made a good belt. You made a good belt, and NWA made a good belt, and it definitely stood the test of time. Looking on to our next episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm still going to give you the news and on this day and all that, but I'm doing something for the casual fan or the brand new fan of pro wrestling. I'm doing Pro Wrestling for Dummies, a starter's guide to professional wrestling. If you're just getting into professional wrestling around this time and you're still a little bit lost of what's going on in the world of pro wrestling and especially in the WWE on this road to WrestleMania, WrestleMania coming up this Saturday and Sunday, uh, sure be a fun time for all these brand new fans. If you have any new friends or, or fans that are, are finding their way into the world of professional wrestling, send them my way. I'm coming out with a new episode, giving them a whole idea of what this world is, what are we living through right now? What is professional wrestling? How do I get into it? What should I be watching? I'm going to give it all to them and uh, give them some explanations on, on how we live our life of professional wrestling fans and whether we need these casual fans. We need we need fans uh, everywhere and anywhere for professional wrestling to start a resurgence of bringing fans back and making pro wrestling that dominant force that it once was back in the late 90s and even throughout some of the 2000s of uh, John Cena making his reign and obviously Stone Cold in the late 90s and Hogan, you know, I talk to my dad all the time and, you know, he loved Hogan and everything like that. So uh, let, let, let's uh, let's inform the masses. Let's let's see what we can do and, and try to get people back into the eyes of pro wrestling. But that, that is my goal for the next episode. But that's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code FANSIDE20, all caps at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at dailyddt.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.